Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope They Hear This podcast. Today I have guest Mike Son joining us. Um, we actually tried to get this episode uh, to happen a long time ago, but COVID prevented that from happening. But we, we finally got him on the podcast. And Mike was actually recently on the When I Grow Up podcast, uh, hosted by my friend Blair Kim. Um, so if you want to just learn more about Mike and his journey into financial literacy, Go check out that podcast first, because I feel like this is maybe a continuation of that conversation. So anyways, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Hey, Mike. Welcome to the hey. podcast. Good <laughs> thanks to see for, you. Thanks yeah. for coming. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, I have to tell the backstory to the listeners. Sure, um, sure. We had planned on doing a podcast. Yep. Over a year ago I now, know. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Literally, we scheduled it uh-huh. right at the brink of the pandemic. Yeah. And uh, I remember you you messaging me back like, hey, like, I don't know if it's a good time to be face to face. I was like, oh, yeah, I totally agree. I totally yep. understand. So um, uh, we we said hey, we'll get back to it once it kind of blows over. Yeah. I think at the time, I don't know about you. At the time, I thought that would be like a few months. Same, same. I was like, I knew it was kind of bad, but yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize. Like, yeah, and yeah, then it, it was, it was over a year. Yeah, and no, to be honest, I did kind of forget about it. Mm-hmm. But you were on Blair Kim's podcast, the yeah. When I Grew Up podcast. Yeah, and and uh, I was like, oh yeah, like that's a conversation I've been wanting to have for so long. And for then sure. I, I reached back out, and yeah, we were able to schedule this. Yeah, so. Thank, so thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. This, <laughs> is, this is awesome. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, when we first talked about um, the initial uh, podcast we were going to schedule yeah. before the pandemic, um, the reason why I reached out to you back then is mm-hmm. because even from then, like a few years before that, mm-hmm. I remember randomly us like having this time together. It was someone's baby shower, and I didn't have kids at the time, but yeah. I was... Uh, babysitting for someone else who was attending the baby shower. Right. And you were watching your kids while your wife was attending the baby shower, yeah. right? Yeah. And so we were at Duluth Town Center, Duluth Town, yeah. the park. We're just kind of like walking around. Yeah. And I remember you talking to me about, uh, I don't know how we got into the subject, but you started talking to me about like financial literacy and like right. financial freedom. Yeah. And I thought it was, there were parts of that conversation I still remember because it was so different for me Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. to hear that especially i mean you talked a little bit about it on blair's podcast yeah and we talked about how as second uh generation asian americans we don't hear much of this from our parents we don't we don't yeah Yeah, so let's just start from the beginning can you kind of talk to us about how you first kind of got into becoming financial financially literate sure um so how far back do you want me to go because i can go like all the way to childhood, you know. Yeah, let's I mean? go all the way to the childhood. Yeah. yeah. So I I grew up. Um, I was, I'm a little, I guess, different than most Asian Americans my age. Um, my parents actually, they each left Korea as single adults, and they met in Ohio. So they kind of had the mindset, I've got to figure out this new country by myself. And mm-hmm. so my mom came for um, education reasons, like she. She had a um, like a, a doctorate, PhD from Ohio State, and they paid for her to learn there. So she's really book smart. Mm-hmm. My dad kind of came, like no degree, but he's kind of like street smart. Mm. And so they just kind of figured out life as individuals. And then 
I think their mindset was let's figure out this American culture um, as an, as a single adult. And then they met. And so I grew up um, with my parents kind of in the corporate world. So my dad had corporate type of jobs where he worked at like Nestle. He worked in the World Trade Center for a little bit. And then he ended up working oh, wow. IT for um, Mercedes Benz. And my mom, she was like a cancer research scientist. Oh, and wow. so she got paid by like government grants. So not a lot of money, but it was like she was doing what she would love to do. Mm. And so we grew up, um, I would say not like super wealthy, but we grew up like not having like the the day-to-day struggle, but we also had that survival mentality. Like we were told no a lot as kids, like me and my brother, mm. like when we wanted toys and when we wanted stuff, like it was always, no, we don't have the money because I think my parents were trying to, trying to build on something, you know? So right. they weren't not to stereotype, but they weren't the typical like, um, business owners that were like, you know, the, the, like my wife, she, her, she grew up kind of like in the shop, like with her parents as their parents were running the shop. Right. And right. so my parents, um, they kind of had that nine to five job. Mm. Um, but, but there was like, I, I think I had some decent money lessons growing up but it was never like intentionally like talked about. And so when I kind of fast forward to um, college and graduation of college, um, I kind of did like the normal American thing, you mm-hmm. know, where I went to school, pulled out loans to pay for school and then got a job and bought my first car and had like car payments. And I remember thinking, um, this is when I was like 22. I was like, man, I just finished graduating from college. I have this college degree. It's a piece of paper, which is great. But financially I was worth negative dollars. <laughs> and so I was like, man, this is like, this is weird. I, mm-hmm. Did I just get scammed? Like, am I, am I just going to go down this weird path of, you know, negative financial net worth? And so, mm-hmm. um, so there's something like, I think in all of our backstories, like as we think through our childhood, there's like, different reasons why money has a certain meaning to us as mm-hmm. adults. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was more like, um, security or like remembering the things I couldn't get as a kid and like wanting them, but then also feeling like, man, I can't get them yet. Even though I have a job and I'm making money, mm. I still have to pay back all this stuff. And so that feeling wasn't so good. And so, mm. um, that's kind of like the, the kind of the backstory of my my journey with finances. Um, but really what, what intersected, um, kind of put me on the path of financial literacy was, um, there's, there's actually a couple things. One is I took some financial courses in college, Mm -hmm. but it was all like corporate finance. Like what are the companies doing? Like what are like the complicated stuff? And I was like, I don't understand how to (laughs) apply this to my own life. And so am I, what am I going to do with this information? Um, but then I took a, a personal finance course in college that was just like, Hey, if you make this much money coming out of college, do you know where all that money's going to go? And so like we did like a budget and stuff. So that class kind of helped me learn a little bit, mm. but really what, um, what inspired this whole journey was meeting my wife or she was my fiance at the time and thinking, um, we're going to have this wedding. We're planning on a wedding, but, and this is going to sound really like, mean or selfish but it was like how we were thinking through things mm-hmm. we we've been to enough weddings by that point or i had been to enough and we saw like enough 
Facebook photos of friends' weddings where they all just kind of look the same. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. we were like, we want a different wedding, but we don't want our parents to have much say in who gets invited to uh, our wedding. But the only way to make that happen was if we paid for the wedding right, ourselves. Right, right. And so we set out a goal. Let's let's try to just save up money and pay for whatever wedding we could afford. Mm-hmm. And so that's a uh, one interesting thing about the Asian culture. Mm-hmm. It's that push and pull of is it our wedding or yeah. is it for our parents? Right. Yeah. Right. Cause like even with the wedding that Shirley and I had, yeah. We had very little say. Oh, we had our parents were really cool in that they let us kind of do what we wanted. Yeah. But the people who were gonna come mm-hmm. wasn't entirely up to us. Yeah. You know, like they're like, you gotta invite this person, this person, this person. Right. And then like before you know it, we're like, okay, the venue that we wanted to go to is not big enough to come. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah, that's what we didn't want. So what's funny is um, we actually got married in downtown Duluth, like oh, out, outside. Oh. And so um, so our, our wedding was more of like a picnic style wedding. Mm-hmm. We had banh mi sandwiches as the meal. We oh, wow. had bottled water and sun chips and like flavor ice. You know, that that was what we could afford <laughs> for the people we wanted to invite. Uh-huh. And so but that that journey, like we kind of had a, a goal of you know, let's save up $10,000 mm. at the time, you know, and, and it was doable. We're both working and like, we're not really, she was living at her mom's place. I was living at my parents, so we weren't paying rent. And mm-hmm. so, um, we, we made it work with that budget. Um, and then had some leftover to go on a honeymoon. And so, mm-hmm. um, so that, that kind of got us talking about money. And then my brother as a wedding gift, he gave us Dave Ramsey's financial, um, it was the total money makeover. Mm-hmm. He said, Hey, I heard this is a good book. It might help you guys with your money. And I, I, so I, I saw the book and I read it in like a couple of hours. Like I flipped through it really fast oh, wow. because I thought it was like super simple and it was a scam. Like I was like, <laughs> this guy does not know what he's talking about. Cause I was looking for like the complicated stuff that I learned in college. And I had just come back. I spent a couple of years overseas mm-hmm. And I was like, I want to be like this international business icon. And how's this book going to help me get there? And so I, I looked at it. I was like, oh, this is nice, whatever. And then like, I just put it to the side, you know? And then um, this is me just kind of like thinking more of myself than I actually was. <laughs> and then, um, so then, then we get married. And then we had, um, you know, just a friend of a friend reach out to us and meet with us to talk about like um, life insurance stuff. Mm-hmm. And he asked like amazing questions that we had never sat down and like talked about. Mm-hmm. And then as we researched life insurance on the internet, like Dave Ramsey's name came up again. I was like, Hey, I remember this guy. And like the article he wrote, like it made a lot of sense. Mm. And so then I was like, wait, let me try reading his book again. <laughs> and like, and I think I was kind of growing in my faith at the time. And mm-hmm. so he, he kind of looks at money through a spiritual lens and like um, just a biblical lens. And mm-hmm. so, the second time I read it, um, Gene and I, we bought a second copy so that we could read this book together. Like every night, it was like our nightly Devo, you know, we mm. would just like kind of read it and talk about the concepts, but we were like, let's actually apply this in our lives and see where it, it takes us. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of the, it was a long story, but it was, it was basically the second reading of Dave Ramsey's book mm. when, when I was ready to receive it, that's what kind of like really pushed us onto this journey of 
financial freedom. Wow. Hey, yeah. Sorry, going back to the life insurance thing. Yeah. Is that the like term life insurance where the the that's what Dave Ram- Ramsey recommends for most people. Oh, no, yeah. okay. And I'm sure like there are situations where like other kinds of life insurance make sense, mm-hmm. but for the most part, like a newly married couple, um, you know, we ended up getting term life because mm-hmm. through our research, we were like at some point, life insurance is only there to ensure if if you pass away, you yeah. have something to leave behind. Mm-hmm. But at some point you want to build enough wealth to be self-insured. Yeah. And so you don't need like the other complicated life insurances that, that are offered. Right. So it's so. term, correct me if I'm wrong, because yeah. me and uh, Shirley actually sat through one of those two. Yeah. And we, we have insurance through that. Yeah. But it's, it's basically, um, you're putting money into an account. Yeah. Um, and over time, the amount, the, through interest, the amount of money grows uh-huh. and then like, the the payment for the life insurance comes out like if you have it for long enough the payment for the life insurance comes out from the interest right so you're like growing that money over time and it's kind of like a savings account slash life insurance type thing right no no okay <laughs> so i i don't want to like i don't know if like we i don't know enough about the insurance uh-huh. to have this like detailed conversation uh-huh. but what you described was like cash value life insurance where the cash is building up Mm -hmm. but term is different it's like your car insurance you just kind of pay a little bit Mm -hmm. to make sure you have insurance Mm -hmm. but you're not trying to like keep keep some of that money that you paid every month for car insurance and so that's what we're doing with our life insurance we're just we're just paying a little bit just in case you know the big thing happens like Mm -hmm. someone one of us passes away Mm -hmm. but if we don't pass away then um then we're not trying to save that money anywhere else. I see. I see. The investments happen separately. And so that's where like, um, that's kind of the approach we, we learned about. And, um, yeah. No, so, okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> no, cause the, I yeah. have the, I have the other one. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, for us, um, it's just, I think I don't really think about money that much. Right. Um, so like Shirley is really good with it. She's like the yeah. budgeter and she's in charge of all the finances in our house. Yeah. But for me, I just need something where money just comes out of my account and gets stored somewhere. Yeah. That I'm not thinking about. So that like it like grows. Yeah. So that's that's why um, that's. But then when I was um, when I sat down with the person to talk about that, Mm -hmm. some of the interesting questions that came to me were like, like, um, like simple things like how much coffee do you buy? Right. Like a week. And they're like, can you like calculate out how much that actually like. Uh, amounts to in a month mm-hmm. it's like surprisingly a lot and then like yeah. you add on things like um do you have a gym membership that you don't right. use and right little things were those kind of- yeah no it was it was the the bigger life questions like if you pass away what's going to happen to gene you know mm-hmm. like, i was mm-hmm. like i don't know and like <laughs> how much do you think she's going to need to to be okay and i was like i don't know like <laughs> is, is she going to work after you die? i'm like mm. i don't know so then i just was like kind of um bigger life questions that, yeah. that we came up with but yeah, yeah yeah those examples are definitely key like the subscription all the monthly things you're paying like if you extrapolate them out to mm-hmm. like 30 years and you do the interest rate like how much you could be you know investing with right. that instead right. so um but yeah so maybe we talk about life insurance like offline because there yeah, there, yeah, yeah. there are like people who um really do believe in the cash value life insurance mm-hmm. but then there's a lot of people that like don't and like have like arguments so it, it can be like either i can see it going either way mm-hmm. um but what we decided to do was just kind of keep our investments 
separate from our insurance. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. that makes sense too. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. So sorry. And then, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so then, then, then upon reading Dave Ramsey's book, um, again, like we're going, we're each kind of like going through this like personal, um, spiritual journey of like growing in our faith, um, taking our faith from our like head to our heart, to our hands, you know, mm-hmm. like actually making it apply and, change our lives and see see what what happens when we follow what we're hearing and like do the things that Mm -hmm. we're we're hearing in church and so um so we were uh yeah like do you know about the dave ramsey baby steps so explain them to me okay there it's real simple there's seven steps Mm -hmm. but it's like you look at the seven steps as if if somebody just gave you a whole bucket of money Mm -hmm. You just go through them in order. You finish step one, then you move on to step two, then you move. So, so it's like it kind of gives you a money plan for your life. Hmm. You know, no matter how much money, if you got a dollar and you're on step two, then just put that dollar on step two. But if you got like a million dollars, then you just finish step two and then with whatever's left, move on to step three. And then like it kind of gave me that roadmap of like, hmm. oh, like how do I how do I handle money at at this level, but also at many other levels if if I were to come upon that that mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. and so um so that that kind of gave us a roadmap for for what we're going to do but is that is yeah. that like um one of the early steps is like to pay off all debt and, and things yeah like that? Gotcha, yeah gotcha. all that stuff so step one was like save a thousand dollars just in a baby emergency fund mm-hmm. step two is the the debt snowball paying off all your debt um except for your mortgage mm-hmm. but you list them from um lowest to highest in terms of balance Mm -hmm. and you just attack the lowest one so it's the debt snowball and then step three is fully funded emergency fund step four five and six kind of happen concurrently but in that order so it's um you do your your um personal retirement investing and Mm -hmm. then you do kids college and then you pay off the house and Mm -hmm. then step seven is like you build a bunch of wealth and like give a bunch of it away you know Mm -hmm. at some point so um those seven steps kind of give give a good framework because mm-hmm. it's most of the time what we how we approach money is like whatever we learn from home or like what we see our friends doing yeah and so some sometimes it's it helps but most of the time it like it doesn't really yeah. get you where you want to go because yeah. um like for me yeah. in my house kind of the exposure to finance that i had like growing up my parents like they were really they were well off we were comfortable like yeah. we never had any struggles um, yeah. my dad was like a small business owner mm-hmm. like he liked the import business but i remember having a conversation with him where mm-hmm. he convinced me having debt was a good thing mm-hmm. and that's what i carried throughout my life but yeah. what i didn't realize though was yeah. that he was talking from the perspective of a business why like right. a business it makes sense it's okay for a business to uh-huh. have a certain amount of debt because mm-hmm. there's, there's like cash flow and like he, he explained it all to me yeah. but literally what i took from it was oh that's not a bad thing right so, right yeah like i i remember um in college my parents just gave me a credit card mm-hmm. and i was like oh my credit limit mm-hmm. is the mo- like the amount of money that i have yeah like that was my mentality right right yeah i know and like that kind of Similar for me, like I, I opened my first credit card in college, you know, like all those companies are on campus trying to sell you their, their products. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, I, I was thinking I, I could beat the credit card system. Like I got a cash back card. It was the Amex blue card at the time. <laughs> and like I, when Gene and I first got married, like even though we saved the money to pay for our wedding, I wasn't really like living this debt free life. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I was like, hey, 
this is your credit card now. Like we have one of our own. So let's put everything on this card because we're going to save 5% on like at the end of the month or whatever. Yeah. So, so that's what, what I was doing. But, um, but through, through this whole journey mm-hmm. and there are people who can like beat the credit card game. Like mm-hmm. they're very diligent, you know, they, they earn their points and they, they do it well. Um, but I, I kind of thought through like, what do I want to, what story do I want to tell mm. about my credit card usage and what do I want to teach my kids? Mm-hmm. You know, like, do I want to have to explain credit card points to them when we're talking about money and like interest rates or do I want to explain, Hey, you you can save your money and then spend the money you saved. And if you want something, you save more and spend that money, you know, mm-hmm. and just you, you get to buy what you can afford. Yeah. And that to me seemed like the better lesson that I want, that I am currently teaching my kids. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Cause I, I, I remembered another thing in yeah. high school. Yeah. I remember one of, it was my AP for whatever reason, my AP us, uh, history teacher yeah. was telling us how, if you have a credit card, why would you spend your own money? Like mm-hmm. when you can spend someone else's money. Right. And right. so like there, there was something about the culture, like growing up where yeah. Like so many different people were trying to convince us that yeah. credit card debt is not a bad thing. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember like a lot of the people saying, I don't know, this might be true. I think there's some truth to this, but mm-hmm. people were like, you need to build credit card debt mm-hmm. to like build your credit score. Right. Right. Yeah. So there's all these things, all yeah. these reasons that kind of, because intuitively debt is a bad thing, right? Just the word debt means yeah. that you owe someone something and exactly. that's, a, that's yeah. a negative thing yeah but somewhere along the way at least for me personally like mm-hmm. there was a, this lesson of yeah that is okay yeah. right or you need it to yeah. to survive in this society yeah. you know and so that that could be true if your plan is to borrow more money and pay back so you can borrow more money and mm-hmm. pay that back mm-hmm. then yeah your your credit score will matter mm-hmm. But there's another path that you can take, and that's mm. that's the path that we were like, we were, we were hesitant to take because we didn't see anybody taking this path mm. of like the debt free life. But we're like, I think that's the path. But we we were looking around like, who else is doing this? And it was hard to find people. Mm. But we were like, let's just try this debt free life. And so, mm. um, in in his book, Dave Ramsey's book, one of the stories was about um, a young married couple who they decided to live in like the apartment garage of some old lady. And so they saved up, they were both working. And so they saved up one of their salaries for like three or four years and they paid for their first house in cash. Wow. And when we read that, we were just like, wait a minute. Like we currently live in an apartment and our rent is pretty cheap um, relative to like a house payment. And mm-hmm. so what if we just stayed here for as long as it took until we can, do that you know Mm -hmm. like save up cash and buy a house and so that was kind of like the big big hairy goal but we we also were like nobody else is doing this like (laughs) is this okay to do like are we are we crazy for doing this and so um but we just decided like let's go for it let's see the worst thing that can happen is we have a bunch of money and then we can't pay for the whole house but we still have like no debt and a, a ton of money and so um so we I'll give some numbers. So we set out $200,000 as like our house payment goal. And mm-hmm. this was in, we decided this around 2010. And mm-hmm. so, um, or maybe 2009, but it, it was like, um, that was a number that seemed like for that amount of money at that time in the area we live, we can buy a house that would be like, it would meet our needs. Yeah. You know? And so, um, but because 
so this is where my story and Gene's story is a little different. Like I did have the experience of having debt, like the car payment, the student loans and the credit card payments and like feeling like a slave to the lender. Like the Bible mm-hmm. says, the borrower slave to the lender. And so, um, I remember feeling like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta get this debt out of my life at some point. Um, but, um, I didn't realize how much of a drag it was. And so I, I was toying around with it. Like mm-hmm. I would pay some of it back, get to zero, but then like, immediately go buy something else like a new car yeah. and get on get more debt or as Jean was like she never had debt growing up but she she's the spender and so whatever she got in her paycheck she would try to spend it all and so she <laughs> lived paycheck to paycheck out of like her own choice yeah, like, yeah. and so so when we set this house goal we were like let's let's look at this as if this 200 grand as if it's like this huge debt over our shoulders mm-hmm. and let's approach that with the mindset of baby step two, like get rid of all of our debt. So let's go gazelle intense. Mm-hmm. Let's like, and Dave is so good at this. Like he'll rally people and get them like all fired up to, to go crazy to pay off their debt. Mm. And so we were like, if, what if we took that mindset, but we had the security of knowing we don't have that, yeah. but we still went crazy to like get to that number as fast as possible. Mm. So for us, that meant, um, even though we didn't have to, that meant like, making a lot of different sacrifices yeah like what we bought what we ate and like um the kind of things we did Mm -hmm. and so you had mentioned earlier like the peanut butter jelly sandwiches like that was a big part of like our journey like there were times where i don't know if if i talked about it on the podcast or if it was before but yeah when we were walking around that park Mm -hmm. the it's still I still remember it because yeah. it shocked me because you were like yeah, there were days where we literally just ate peanut just ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches yeah. to meet the the savings the budget yeah. yeah or like each month we had like food money in mm-hmm. cash and we're like well we're running out of money but all we had was peanut butter <laughs> jelly and like we would eat PBJs and, and like we would go to bed hungry some nights mm. and we'd be like oh my god we have like six figures in the bank <laughs> But like, no, like we're not going to go out and buy dinner. We're just going to like go hungry tonight just to like meet this goal. And so it was a little crazy looking back. But Mm -hmm. again, we were just like no kids. Like we can challenge ourselves in that that regard. And so um, but but we neither one of us cooked. So Mm -hmm. there were like different ways we saved on money. Like um, and I still remember the prices we paid, but we would go to Costco to get like two pizzas and a drink. And mm-hmm. that was $4 and 84 cents. So we'd save every single receipt. Like mm. we'd buy stuff and save it. So then at the end of the month, we'd count like and go through like every dollar, every penny. And so as we're doing this monthly meeting, we kept hearing like $4.84, $4.84. Or like Damuji or Damuji, um, their gimpop, $6.36. Right, right, right. $6.36, $6.36. So like, <laughs> these numbers are just like common to me now, mm. but... But like that was kind of what what we did, and so so yeah. um in in doing that, so I want to yeah. get the your approach yeah. clear because um something that me and my wife do yeah. is like we don't really have savings goals mm-hmm. like like we we do things where like we've paid off our cars and yeah. there's a part of us that are like oh both our cars are paid off maybe mm-hmm. we should trade it and get a new car mm-hmm. but we're like no let's drive it as long as we can because mm-hmm. not having payments on cars is a huge deal it you is know? so nice yeah. Yeah. yeah but um like we do we do things where we're like okay we're about to pay this much money for this meal or this yeah. thing let's just yeah. cut back a little bit i think it's extravagant yeah but that only that doesn't really help much that only helps for those little transactions but what i hear you saying is you guys had a budget yeah um like we're only allowed to spend this much money on food for this month yeah and then 
you just made sure that whatever you were eating that month, you yeah, it we stayed within budget. that budget. Yeah, exactly. That is a good approach. Yeah, and yeah. so that so that was what it took back then. Mm. And so like you know, um, anytime there was free food around, we'd be like, "Yo, free food! Like that's <laughs> yeah. gonna save us this month." You know, so. Um, but now like, so I, I do think it's like a progression and it's like a journey. We're mm-hmm. not that tight anymore with mm-hmm. our finances, like looking at every penny. Right. But we know if we had to be, we could get back to that. You yeah. Know? So now it's more like, it's a little more like, um, less like every month we have to like have a planned out budget. It's more just like gen- general, like. Hey, we're we're fine. Like we're still investing. We mm-hmm. got our money's growing, and so, mm-hmm. so now it's. I, I heard the term from a podcast called "valueist," like somebody who doesn't mind spending money on things they value, mm. and that's kind of like resonated with me because I look at some of the things we own now, mm. and like like you said, like we have two used, paid for minivans, but we don't we don't really value cars that much, so mm-hmm. we're not like trying to make those nice you know right um but i do value like my time with my kids and like experiences yeah and so i bought an electric bicycle Mm. you know that's probably cost more than my car you know what i mean (laughs) but it's like that's that now feels okay it's in line because it's Mm. what i value in this season yeah and i'm not having to borrow money to do it so we paid cash we have two electric bicycles and we pull our kids around in a trailer and that whole setup I, I do think it costs more than our car, but it's like, that's what we value now. And yeah. like, that's creating, um, great memories. And so that's awesome. Yeah. So things like that, like, I think it's nice to do that now, but I, we wouldn't have done that earlier in, in our journey. Yeah. It was like, let's just get to that number first. You know? Right. Yeah. I, and I want to say like, as a father, yeah. like, I think, you know, we have different priorities, mm-hmm. but like when I was in college or like, or right out of college, when I started my first job, there are things that I just bought kind of mindlessly. Yeah. Like I wouldn't say that I valued those mm-hmm. things, but I just bought it just because I had the money. Yeah. And I think it really depends on the season of life, right? Like there yeah. are seasons where you are able to make more sacrifices. Right. Um, and I think you should take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a younger listener who just started their career and, you know, you don't have that many things that you have to pay for, like take full advantage of that, you know, save as much as you can. Don't just... You know, because I, I think like one of the things is um like me growing up, like we, we used to be really into cars. Yeah. So it's like whoever had the coolest car oh, was sure. the coolest person. For sure. Yeah. You know, so it's like right out of college, we're like looking up used BMWs, yeah. like how much do they cost? But yeah. it's like, well, like how much do you actually value that car? Mm-hmm. Um, those mm-hmm. are the questions I don't think I asked myself right. when I should have. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's a really good it, good thing to think about. And it's hard to do because you're at that age, you're trying to like figure out who you are and like what matters to you, yeah. you know? And at, I don't know. I just remember being like my young twenties and thinking like, like status mattered and like my possessions mattered. Yeah. Um, but, but I think the older I'm getting, I'm like, okay, that it, it, some of that may matter sometimes, but most of the time, like, like it doesn't matter at all, mm. you know? So mm. for, for me and my kids, like we, you know, just having time to spend with them and doing fun stuff yeah that matters because that leads to like fun conversations and deep conversations where i get to like kind of lead them in a way that um i i can i know their heart you know and so that that i hope is going to pay dividends in another season for me you Mm -hmm. know but but yeah so that's that's kind of what 
I don't know. I don't know where, where to go from there, but no, the, yeah. yeah. So, so we, we ended up like meeting that goal. So it mm-hmm. took about three, almost four years mm-hmm. to, to hit that number. So yeah. it was, was that the plan? Did you guys budget out? Um, we're going to meet the goal in four years or was it, you guys just had a budget and you guys tried to keep to it as best as you could. Right. So we, we did not have like a, a full like end to end timeline, mm-hmm. but we noticed certain certain opportunities like we just we just went for it so like if jean could get extra hours at work Mm -hmm. she would just take it and like that would be more income Mm. i i was able to have my full-time job and then um another client asked me to do some side consulting so we did like i did Mm -hmm. extra work and so there were times where we'd be working a lot of hours you Mm -hmm. know where we didn't have to um and then uh but then like it it's not all like this perfectly linear path. And right. so there were times where, um, it got really hard. Like, cause Jean, it was hard for her to like, she's the spender. So for, for me, I got joy just seeing the, the savings go up. But for her, she's like, this is not fun at all. So, so we took like a spontaneous Disney cruise, you know, just to get that like out of our system, you know? Yeah. So that put us, set us back a little bit. But then, um, I think a, a big part of like why that, that season mattered so much was because, we had to make some tough choices like with our social lives. And so I think if we had to do it all over again, we would have done it a little bit differently mm-hmm. because, because we were so in, intense with this journey. Like if our friends weren't along for the ride with us, we just, I don't know. I, I feel a little bad, but we were like, we just can't make the time for, for that right now. Mm. Um, and, and, but I think in hindsight, we, we could have done a better job, like trying to rally them or like cast more vision and like, maybe get more people on board with what we were doing. But, but on the flip side of that, because we didn't have like as many close peer friends, we still wanted to like do something with the extra time we had. And so we said yes to volunteering and student ministry. Mm. And that was a tough yes for us. Now, now it's like, man, that's a huge part of our lives now. But Mm. back then it was like, Jean was a seventh grade science teacher so the last thing she wanted to do with her free time was <laughs> hang out with students, you know? Yeah. And like, I was like, no, but this is cool. Like you should meet these high school students and like, they're, they're different. Like you can like actually talk to them and, and relate. So, um, so we said yes to, to leading at KCPC and mm-hmm. being Bible study teachers, partly because we wanted something to do with our time, but also because we are like, well, these kids are in high school. They don't have a lot of money either, but yeah. they know how to have fun. And so, <laughs> we'll have fun like leading them and you know, yeah. let's try it. And so, um, that ended up being like one of the best decisions of our lives. That's awesome. Let's get back to that. But yeah. I, I wanted to ask you about, um, when you say like socially, there is yeah. an impact. Is it like your friends wanted to do something that yeah. cost X amount of money, but you guys weren't willing to do yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. It was always like going out to eat or going to bowl or do like stuff that always seemed to cost money, yeah. you know, mm. but we were just like, man, it's fun. And we can do it sometimes, but it can't be like it, the only time we're hanging out is like when we're spending money, like right, that, you know, right. at that level, because we had different goals for ourselves. And right. So, it is yeah. weird. That is the culture that seems like um, whenever we hang out with people, there needs mm-hmm. to be some sort of money spent. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, why, I wonder why we don't think about the alternative, like where we're just like, hey, let's just go to a park and just chill. Right. We don't have to spend any money if you do that. Right. Yeah. yeah. That, well, that's interesting yeah and yeah. Uh, sorry another question just yeah. to get really practical yeah because um you said the way that you guys save the money is mm-hmm. 
So you allotted certain amount of money to different buckets. Is that how it worked? Yeah. Yeah. So like X amount of money for utilities, X amount yeah. of money for food, X amount of money for clothes. Yeah. So there's um, there's what Dave calls the envelope system. Mm -hmm. We we use jars instead, so we can like see the cash. But it's basically the like food, and food is the big one. Mm -hmm. it, if you can control where your food spending is going, that that's what you really have control over. Mm -hmm. And then things like, um, we did cash for gas for a little, that was, that was okay. But it was like, we have to drive at some point. So mm -hmm. it wasn't easy to control, yeah. but clothes for sure was definitely one that we can control. Mm -hmm. Um, and then entertainment, like, but entertainment a lot of times was eating out, you know? So, right. um, those were the categories that, um, you have some control over, mm -hmm. uh, as you're trying to spend cash. The other things like utilities, like those, you can't, I mean, it, it was harder to control. They're more know? fixed. Yeah, right. they're more fixed. And so um, in our apartment, we had a cash and this was like part of like us being more um, like secure and trusting students. But we had students coming to our apartment all the time and mm -hmm. we just had like jars of cash on our counter. Wow. Uh -huh. But they were labeled like food, entertainment, gas or clothes, you know, and so but they knew like um, that was our plan and right. they got to see us living our lives like and having some money in there and some, awesome. sometimes no money in there. Yeah. Wow. So I, I think you kind of um, answered it, but for someone who was interested in doing this, yeah, where would you tell them to focus their like attention on in terms of their spending to cut the most amount of unnecessary spending possible? Would yeah. it be food and entertainment? Yeah, food and entertainment. And then like, but part of that is the um, like subscriptions, like all, all the mm -hmm. like little knickknack things, yeah. which feel like needs, but are really wants, mm -hmm. like try to get them out of your life first. Yeah. So like cable, like a cell phone, you, you probably need that, you know, that, that mm -hmm. nowadays is need, but um, you know, like your, I mean, maybe your internet bill, I don't know. Like it depends on how intense you want to get. Yeah. But I mean, like um, you can adjust the speed. I think people yeah. tend to go for the highest speed without really realizing how much is appropriate for them. Right, right. Yeah. So there's there's little things there, but I would I would say you know if if you're just starting out, like the bigger the bigger decisions you have to make up front are like where are you going to live, like your housing costs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, do you have to own a home or can you like rent and mm -hmm. buddy up or roommate with people? Um, and your your car like housing and transportation those are like even bigger than food i think mm -hmm. like if you can knock those out or have a a good approach that kind of gets you what you need mm -hmm. but is not extravagant then then you can start to make some progress but that was that's hard to do now you know like right. rent prices are high so it's like you if all your your whole paycheck is getting eaten up by like housing and transportation then yeah. there's not a lot of wiggle room you know right but yeah. i do want to t uh, tell this to kind of the younger careers people who like started their careers yeah there's no shame in living with your parents nope. if there's space there yeah right yeah. i think especially for asian americans um, yeah like we're it's like kind of normal for us mm -hmm. but even for, if you're not asian american you know like why why burn the money like just mm -hmm. because you want to leave the house like just mm -hmm. endure it for a few years mm -hmm. and save that money that's i i remember mm -hmm. there was a moment in my career where i rented out like this little studio apartment yeah just to have my own place like yeah my parents house is more than big enough for us uh -huh. like 
the whole upstairs was basically my space. Like there was no reason for me to have done that, but I did that. Um, and I broke my lease early because I realized how like much of a like just how much money I was just basically burning. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like breaking a lease isn't cheap. Right. There's like the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think like ultimately I ended up saving like one month or one or two months worth of rent because uh-huh. I cut it early. Yeah. I cut it at six months, but then yeah. you have to pay like two months. Uh-huh. So um, <laughs> I, I ended up probably not getting my values worth, but mm-hmm. um, I think that experience, um, it helped me going into like my marriage. Right. Um, Cause to actually see, and like my parents went through this, like my, you know, with the 2008 recession, mm-hmm. my dad had to close down his business and mm-hmm. all that. So like, knowing that there was no safety net of my parents money Mm -hmm. and just my money like seeing it like moving up and down like that i think it was a big life lesson for me yeah um but like people like there are you guys listening you guys don't have to even go through that just like Mm -hmm. there's no shame nothing wrong with living with your parents right um, save them especially in this housing market yeah yeah yeah. i i did it like in 2000 when I came back from overseas, I just moved in with my parents for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife lived with her mom, like just starting out her career. And yeah. so definitely no shame in that. Yeah. Um, but if you are going to move out, like I, I do think um, you you do want to take a look at finding a roommate or something. That, that's what I did coming out of college. I rented, um, it was a $700 a month, like attic of a <laughs> like a townhouse. But uh-huh. it was like, it was kind of in the ghetto. Now that I look back, I'm like, I think I was like in the not so safe neighborhood. Uh-huh. And this, this was like, it was just like kind of like a dump, like mm. literally the back window faced a dump of a restaurant. And so, but it was like, that's what I wanted to pay. I was like, I don't want to pay more than, you know, so my share was like 400 or something. So wow. like, and my roommate was 300, but, um, but yeah, that, those were the kinds of the decisions that kind of like, were ingrained in me from that college class like mm-hmm. when i learned about like rent and, and yeah. car payments so yeah um but yeah so if you're just starting out it's like take a look at housing and transportation first yeah. and then and then look at food um so that's that's on the expense side but then you also want to look at the income side like how do i generate more income how mm-hmm. do i can i do a side hustle or can i can i just take on more opportunities at work and increase my pay and so mm-hmm. um can i negotiate my salary th- th- these are conversations that um, sometimes we don't get trained on how to do like, yeah. as Asian Americans, but there's ways you can like, or can I find another opportunity with another company and get a pay bump? So yeah. that all is part of my journey as well. And so, you know, that one interesting thing I've, I've been wanting to talk about this on the yeah. podcast this is a perfect opportunity to do so. Um, you know how it's taboo to talk about your salary. Yeah. I think like, what do you think about talking about your salary with your coworkers? Cause I feel like that gives you so much leverage mm-hmm. to negotiate your pay. Um, yeah. like, I, at my work, I have no idea what all my coworkers get paid. Right. So like they might be getting paid like $10,000 more than me yeah. for doing the same job. And because yeah. I don't have that information, yeah. I can't negotiate my salary. Right. So, I mean, I, 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 I don't know what other people think, but I am a big proponent of uh-huh. Like normalize talking about your salary, at least with your coworkers yeah. who are doing the same work yeah. so that you guys can give each other information yeah. so that you can uh, yeah. negotiate better. Yeah. I I don't see why not. I mean, it, it's a matter of trust too, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's like kind of like you, you got to build alliances if you're going to have those conversations, True, true. Yeah. you know? So yeah. I, I think, um, I, I think it's a good idea. And I think, 
you know, it, it's something that I think as you, you go up in, in certain levels of leadership, mm. you're going to know more of this information. And then, right. um, but at some point, and this is like an evolution, but at some point, like the salary growth stops becoming a motivator, you know, mm. like you look for like other, other things that are great about your job and you make sure you, you keep those things, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so, um, especially if you, if you're making more than you need, more money is not going to motivate or like help much. Um, yeah. so it, it's like, do I have my autonomy? Can I like work on things that I want to work on and mm-hmm. say no to everything else? All and right. so those types of things, like they matter, like as you progress, I think in, in, in your career, but you work from home as well. Right? I work from home. Yeah. yeah that, that was a big motivating factor for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, like just the fact that I'm able to work from home changed my life. Yeah. So that was a big thing. Like, if I were to ever leave my company, it would have mm-hmm. to be to a place that let me work from home as well. Right. Yeah. Right. And then like, think about the things like how much PTO you're getting or like the projects you're working on, the people you're working with. Like mm-hmm. if the more say you get in that, mm-hmm. then the the salary, as long as you're getting enough, you're like, that's fine. I, I make that much, but uh, my job is really fun. Or like it gives me a sense of purpose and then I get to be with my family, you know, at the yeah. end of the day. So something um this was an article it it was several years ago so i don't know if it still stands true but the article it was really interesting because it said that for a family of four a household Mm -hmm. of four yeah the family income is seventy five thousand dollars right anything above that Mm -hmm. um is minimal like the marginal increase yeah yeah marginal increase in like happiness yeah so like if you're making seventy five thousand dollars in a household of four yeah then like making more money is uh, going to be really like it's the return of happiness yeah. is going to be very minimal. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. But like, yeah, I mean, I think about like my career progression, like, yeah. when I, like I probably make double what I s- started to make way back in the day. Yeah. Um, but like, I, yeah, I think about like happiness. I mean, yeah. the happiest moments were like when I got married, when I had my kid, like it yeah. wasn't when I got my raises. Or right. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, there was certain amount of freedom that came yeah. with it, but then now it's just like, yeah. yeah, I think that's such good perspective because I remember like thinking I came out of college. I'll give some numbers, but like most of my friends were engineers mm-hmm. and they were making like 50, 60, 70,000 a year, like mm-hmm. just coming out of college. Mm-hmm. And I was making under 40. Mm-hmm. I was like, dang it. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I'm behind, you know, but uh-huh. we talked about salaries with, with those friends, you know, that you're friends with in college. Yeah. And I remember thinking, man, if I could just make like 45 or $50,000, like, I'd be set for life, you know? Right, right. But I think there's something in that me repeating that to myself and like framing that as my like okay baseline mm-hmm. that it helps me to this point because I still think that like mm-hmm. right now, like as long as we can make about $40,000 and like have health insurance, we're fine. Like yeah. we got like, especially with no mortgage and no car payments, that money can go a really long way. Like, and so yeah like like you said like you you make a lot more than you started at that age but now i'm like my my baseline is like can this job pay me like forty thousand dollars a year all right then maybe i can do it you know so and i think that's great having that if you don't have that baseline yeah then you're like 
satisfactory level mm -hmm. moves with your salary. Yeah, it's like, a moving target. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like, unless you have that baseline. Yeah. Like I think that ba having that baseline is gonna help you so much more in like savings and stuff like right. that. Right. Right. Um, but like. Like I, honestly, I didn't really have a baseline. Mm -hmm. I I do now. Yeah. Um, but I didn't before, and it was just like, oh, whenever I got a raise, I was like, okay, then I can afford to buy this much more stuff. Right. So like it right. just, I wasn't saving more money. I was yeah. just spending more money. Yeah. And like, yeah. it's it's much easier to spend more money than to suddenly have to spend less money. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So yeah, having that baseline that's that's such a important thing. Yeah. 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 And so, um, I wanted to ask about the investment side of yeah. things. So you, you said the steps were save a thousand dollar emergency fund. It's like just like? a starter emergency fund. Mm -hmm. Like before you try to pay off debt, you just need a little bit of cash on the side, just in case some, some like random emergency happens, car, car tires or something, you know, like, yeah. so just have a thousand dollars in cash. Mm -hmm. Some people like when we did it, we had like two grand. So nothing huge, like mm -hmm. not like five, $10,000, just like enough to cover the little emergencies but Something not so reasonable. much that yeah and not so much that it's going to stop you from moving on to the next step right and, and so, the, the next step is to pay off debt starting yeah. with the smallest yeah and then you said the mortgage doesn't isn't included in that right right, right. Mm -hmm. so okay. like credit cards car payments hospital bills student loans mm -hmm. those all go in that second step mm -hmm. and um and this is where there's some debate you know do you do lowest balance first or do you do um highest interest rate first oh right you know because like mathematically you want to pay off the highest interest rate but i think the dave ramsey approach is like if if we were just doing math you wouldn't be in this financial <laughs> position anyway so like stop trying to math your way out of it like uh -huh. follow the steps like the behavior is what matters most so like if you can knock off that little debt then you start to build momentum and yeah. like that'll override the math in terms of like your actual behaviors and yeah so, and i think there's a psychological back yeah. into that like when you when you check off something on a to-do list there's like a release of dopamine that makes you yeah. feel good yeah so i'm sure it's like the same concept when you pay off a yeah. credit card right like there's that oh check yeah and then you're like it feels good to do yeah. that so like it gives you more momentum to go go forward yeah. so yeah. yeah i can see that yeah yep and so while you're doing that you're paying minimum balances on everything mm -hmm. But then any extra money, you're attacking that smallest. That smallest balance. one. Yeah. Gotcha. And so that's where like the, I just picture the bucket of money all the time. Like, okay, just line it up in order and like wherever that bucket, whatever you have in your bucket, start putting it at, at the next thing mm -hmm. on that list. And so once you get to baby step two and you knock out all your debt, then the next thing in the line is baby step three where mm -hmm. you, by this point, you should pretty much know like um, how much it costs per month mm -hmm. to keep your life going the way it is, you mm -hmm. know? And so you want to multiply that by three or six. Mm -hmm. So it's like three months of expenses to six months of expenses. That's going to be your like fully funded emergency fund. Oh, I see. So maybe, you know, if your life costs two grand a month, then you want like 6,000 to $12,000 somewhere in that range. Mm -hmm. And that's your emergency fund. And that's like in a money market account, nothing fancy. You're not trying to earn money on that. Mm -hmm. You just have a bunch of cash in the bank mm -hmm. for emergencies. And so if you picture your life at that point, you have no more monthly payments. Maybe you have a house payment and you have about like ten to fifteen thousand dollars in the bank mm -hmm. that starts to give you like this sense of peace. Like, huh, if I really wanted to, like, try something, I could go do it. You know, mm -hmm. like or if if I got fired today, I'd be OK. You know, like yeah. and so you start to it, it kind of clears your mind to make different kinds of decisions. Yeah. So, yeah. So then after that, yeah, because um, you mentioned like investment accounts yes. and things like that yeah and like 
for someone who knows absolutely nothing about yeah. finance, like yeah. what would you give as kind of the beginner advice of how to start like investing? Right. So is this someone who has a job or no job? Someone who has a, let's say it's someone who has a job and okay. is at like, you know, that baby step number three ish. So like yeah. he's starting to have free yeah. money. Yeah. yeah. So, um, if you have a job, like you want to ask your company if they have something called a 401k, that's if you work at like a private company mm-hmm. or if you work at like a nonprofit or government, ask if they have a 403b, mm-hmm. but that's basically money or it's, it's a way you can set aside money and invest it for the future. Mm-hmm. And so it has tax advantages. And so, um, and what a lot of companies do, they'll match your money. Mm-hmm. So like, let's say if the company says we have a 3% match, that means 3% of your salary, like they'll, they'll give you that money as long as you commit that same amount of money. Right. And so I would say, you know, your first thing is start asking about your 401k or 403b and then start contributing to the match at least, mm. you know, because you're going to get that same amount of money from your company as extra. It's like, it's like a raise or it's like a bonus, it's like free money. Right. And so, but it's not enough to just like say, I have a 401k or I have four like within that there's going to be choices of what you invest your money in. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where having some understanding of like what those investments are mm-hmm. is going to be important. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the word that I look for is the word index, mm-hmm. you know? And so, the way the way I the best way I can explain it, and I've talked to my nieces and nephew about this. Mm-hmm. Um, if you picture, I'll talk about index funds for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so if you have like, um, let me let me think this through. <laughs> so, um, what's what's a company that you like? You know, that's out there, like Nike, for uh-huh. example. You mm-hmm. know, if you put all your money in Nike, and then Nike something happens and Nike tanks your money's gone, you know? And so, um, but what if same thing with Tesla? Like if you think Tesla's awesome, you can put some money in Tesla, but what if some competitor comes out and just like blows them away, you know? So Tesla goes out of business, that money's gone. But what if there is a way you can start putting money in like every single U S company in right now? And there's about 3000 something of them, you know, Mm. if you can take $1 and just like spread it across all those companies, then if one of them goes out of business, you're okay, you know? Like you, there's impact to that $1, but right. all the other dollars are, yeah. are fine, yeah. Yeah, but I, I used to think, well, what if what if they all go out of business? You know, like, I, I would think, because I'm more risk averse, like, I don't want to, like, risk my money. Mm-hmm. But then I heard it explained, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what's happening right now. So the stock market is naturally going to increase. And the reason is, when you look at all 3,000 companies, the worst thing that can happen is these companies individually lose a hundred percent of what they were. But when that happens, like another company comes into place, you Mm -hmm. know? So the downside is a company lost a hundred percent, but the upside is unlimited. Mm -hmm. Like a company can grow two, three, four hundred, five, like 1000%. So every company out there is trying to grow. And so there's like unlimited upside and th- yes, there is downside, but that downside is limited to a hundred percent of that of a company, mm. whereas the upside is like infinite. Yeah, and that's why, like, as some companies do go out of business, new companies emerge, and they're all trying to grow, and they're all trying to. So it's like 
it's like a self-cleansing process mm. where the, the bad ones go away. And yeah, your money might go down sometimes, but the general force of the market is for these companies to grow. And so, um, and then another way to think about it is now your $1 that you put into these 3000, 3000 companies, everybody who works for these companies, they're waking up every day trying to do a good job at their work. And now they're trying to make you money, you know? So Mm -hmm. like you've now become an owner of like millions of people like in their work, you know, myself included, because I'm doing the same thing. So, so it's like, it's like this interesting thing. Like when you look at an index fund, what the, what the word index means is it's just trying to like maintain that list of companies or that, that set. So there's like something called the total stock market Mm -hmm. index fund. And it's just an index of all the u.s stocks it's not trying to do better than anything it's not trying to time anything it's just you get to own all the stocks yeah and over time that should grow yeah yeah yeah. oh that's that's so good because um i I think there is this level of um like fear in the unknown yeah um and like you hear news like so recently um within europe uh they're doing like this soccer tournament and cristiano ronaldo Mm -hmm. He Coke, yeah. he moved Coke, saying, "Oh, don't drink Coke, drink mm-hmm. water." Yeah, and the share price of Coke fell, and Coke. I mean, I think they they got back up, but Coke yeah. for a moment lost like four billion dollars right. in its in its uh, value. So it's yeah. like you hear things like that, and you're like, "Oh, I don't want to invest in companies that can lose that much money." Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right with indexes. Um, there, yeah, yeah you, there's very low risk, and you see you can see steady growth. Yeah, and and like all things, I I, I guess we have to say with all things. High risk, high reward, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, there are like, if you want to make a lot of money really fast and mm-hmm. you know what you're doing, mm-hmm. you can invest in stock. But yeah. like, I, I don't think you should be doing that with your savings. That should be money you're willing to lose, right? Right. So, so yeah. So that's why like in, in Baby Step 4, it's the word, it's like more you're investing like for the long term. Mm-hmm. This is like 10, 20, 30 years out. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, as long as you're doing some of that, then if you have extra money and you want to try like, timing the market or doing like GameStop or like <laughs> right. the meme stocks, you know, <laughs> then you can, you can do that. Yeah. But as long as you know, like that money is not there, it's not there for the intent of mm-hmm. your retirement, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. But those, those are the things that make the good stories, you know, like right. GameStop and like AMC Mil- and all that million stuff. million dollars overnight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but in yeah. terms of like investing, um, I don't know. I, I just like the slow and steady approach mm. because over time I, I've seen it. Like I've seen it in my own accounts. Like I, I look, I'm like, that's a lot now. Yeah. Like that, that wasn't, th- it wasn't that big, like a few, few years ago, but now like with the compound interest, it's just, it's growing. So, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, there's so many things like with 401k, yeah. there's like 401k Roth. Like there's yep. like different tax advantages of, yeah. of that. Um, so I, I think you guys should, for sure, if you're working and you don't know if your company offers 401k or not, mm-hmm. you definitely need to check it out. Yeah. Um, and like what Mike was saying, you got to max it out. So my company, what they do is they match a percent for mm-hmm. every 2% that I contribute mm-hmm. up yeah. to 3%. Yeah. So I contribute 6%, 6% of your salary. so that yeah. I can maximize on yeah. how much the company will give me. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's free money. And like it yeah. helps incentivize me in my savings because yeah. like, I have to put in 6% yeah. to get the 3% back. Yeah, exactly. And it's, um yeah, and, you know, like e- even if, um like with the whole index talk, that can seem a little intimidating. But mm-hmm. most companies, like if you like talk to whoever the 401k provider is, mm-hmm. um 
like there are advisors who can like based on the um, level of risk you're comfortable with yeah they can kind of help you set it out yeah like, um so i i always do mine i'm, I'm like risk, risk adverse like you yeah so i tend to do like the index funds like yeah um i invest in like the s p 500 yeah yeah s p 500 yeah yeah that's yeah. basically the 500 like big companies and yep. so it's like yeah you can't really lose i mean of course it, it can go up and down but if you look at the trajectory of these things over mm-hmm. like 10 20 years they're yeah. always upward trending right um so those are kind of really just basic things i yeah. think people can look at yeah and um yeah kind of just start saving like don't let your money just sit there under your mattress right um because inflation is gonna get you exactly yeah. exactly and yeah. so yeah that that's like um inflation's definitely a factor that that you want to think about in, a, in 30 years from now mm. um with yeah the index funds s&p 500 there's like sometimes companies will have that as an option and then they have like mid cap and small cap index mm-hmm. mid cap index small cap so those are all like s&p 500 would be like the 500 biggest and then mid cap would be like the next 2000 companies or you know 800 companies and then small cap would be like the next 2000 so it's like and then total stock market would have like all of them you mm-hmm. know so um the thing that the reason why index funds i think are good is like the what if you look for something called the expense ratio or like the expense fees or fees like the lower that is the better it is mm-hmm. because those are fees that are going to get taken out um every year and like the lower you can pay on those fees um you're going to actually keep more of your own money mm-hmm. and so some fees that are like one percent that might not sound like a lot but when you take that one percent over 30 years that's that's you paying a lot of money in fees that yeah. you don't have to pay so some like a fee that's like reasonably low like there are some zero percent fees which mm-hmm. are awesome but like anything that's like 0.05 or 0.1 that's kind of like what i look at when i'm looking at my selection of funds mm-hmm. and so yeah and um, I, I want to throw this out there. Yeah. If, if you're like self-employed or if your company doesn't offer any of these things, you should look into IRAs, um, individual retirement accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of a similar, a similar concept, but you're doing it yourself. Like there are a lot of reputable like financial institutions where you can do this with like mm-hmm. Fidelity, Charles Schwab, like any of them. Just go to one of them and look at uh, it's It's basically the same thing. You can choose to invest money tax free um, from your from your income or like if you do Roth, then it'll be taxed and it won't be taxed later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, you can look into something like that so you can contribute to an account that can grow um, by yourself without having to do it through your company. Right. Yeah. And the, the whole reason, like, it's not just a big, to create this big pile of money. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the what that does, it, it kind of like sets you up to think of, about life a little differently when yeah. money is not the motivating yeah. factor, you know? And so um, there's something called like, I talked about it on Blair's podcast, but the FIRE movement, it's like financial independence, retire retire early. early. Um, But some people just think about like, well, I don't want to retire. I want to work. But it would be nice to know I could work at something where um, it didn't matter how much I made. So like getting to that financial independence number Mm. is is like another goal that um, people have. But you're what you're essentially doing is kind of creating this this fund of or this pool of money for later in life so that it'll be there when you do stop working. But along the way, like you want to be working in, in something that, that brings meaning and purpose to your life, you know? And Absolutely. so, um, but that's, that's hard to see when you're in debt and you have a bunch of payments. You're like, I just need a job that's going to pay me the most money. 
because you know I gotta make all my payments mm-hmm. but at some point hopefully like you know either something in life happens or God gets a hold of your heart where you're like I think there's more I can do with my time than just trading it for the biggest paycheck possible mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but I think part of that is stewarding what we have and like building somewhat of a nest egg so um, so it's there for when you, you do end up stopping working and then yeah. Also, for me now, I'm starting to think about like, okay, how do I position my children so that they can like enter their working years, not like as trust fund babies, because mm-hmm. I, I think that's like a negative, like it, it kind of implies like laziness or whatever, but right. but more of is like, hey, your your basic needs are met and like you can go do what matters to you and like yeah. follow God's call for your life, you know? Yeah. And so. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I. 100% agree with that. I yeah. that's my dream for my for my uh, kids. So I we have Aisley and we have mm-hmm. a second uh, on the way. If if we can uh, like you were saying I don't want them to be trust fund babies. Right. I don't want their like I don't want them not have to work. Mm-hmm. I want them to have enough money yeah. where they can choose they can be picky with what they do for money. Yeah. Like yeah. they can say, I don't agree with the ethics of this company, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to work for them, mm-hmm. even though they're going to offer me the most money. Right. Like I don't need that. I can go somewhere else and I yeah. can still be fine. I can chase my passions, my dreams yeah. and be okay. So, yeah. yeah. And I, I, it remind this conversation reminded me of another money lesson that I learned from my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what happened, but I like eavesdropped on his conversation he uh-huh. was having with someone. Yeah. And I found out that he let someone borrow like a large amount of money, like mm-hmm. it was $10,000. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I was like, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. that's crazy money, right? Yeah. And I re- it was something about, like, he couldn't pay him back. Right. And my dad saying, it's okay, don't worry about it. Yeah. And I, re- I remember talking to my dad saying, why would you, like, yeah. of course you have to get this back. Uh-huh. And he, like, looked at me very sternly. Yeah. And he told me, like, if you're going to let someone borrow money, mm. like, don't expect it back. Right. Like, if, if it's money that you need to survive, yeah. then you shouldn't be lending it at all. Right. But if you have enough money to help help someone out, yeah. you should do it gladly. Yeah. And I remember thinking that, and now it's like, I want to be in a place where, like, all these, this whole, like, investment talk, IRA, yeah. all that, yeah. that's so that I have a nest egg, yeah. so that I don't have to, like, let someone borrow money and then like have to worry about whether they're going to pay me back or not. Right. You know what I mean? Like I want to have that level of financial freedom where I can be of value um, to someone. And, um, yeah, like I, like, yeah, I don't have to like, there's that level of financial independence. It's it's not just, I don't think financial independence is I get to do whatever I want, Mm -hmm. but it's also like I can be, uh, more of a joyful giver, like without having to, yeah. Yeah. Like, break the bank yeah i think your dad is like super wise like that's so cool that he did that yeah. I, I think like um i think maybe maybe he knew going in like mm. this is really gonna be a gift mm. i'm probably not gonna see this money yeah but maybe like um maybe when you were a kid you just saw it as like you gotta get it back you yeah. know but yeah. i do think like that's that's definitely a healthy approach to money mm. because otherwise when you create the debt debtor relationship with money, it, it can ruin a lot of things, especially yeah. with people you know. So, if somebody if somebody has a need and you can give and meet that need, yeah. then you look at it as like a gift, you yeah. know, without the expectation of getting it back. Yeah, so, I think the yeah. messaging got a little confused because of the yeah. whole like debt is a good thing. So uh-huh. I was like, oh, like is this uh-huh. like debt is a good thing? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's all straightened out now. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, yeah, like I, I think I, I do agree. I think my dad knew going yeah. into it that yeah. he might, he probably wouldn't see that money. Yeah, yeah. But man, what a 
like for for my dad who yeah. was doing well yeah it's like yeah i can just give it away but for the person receiving it mm-hmm. like who like when they if it was some it was if it was money that they really needed to like mm-hmm. um get them out of a hole or to like mm-hmm. to alleviate some of like burdens and stress in their lives like yeah. what a gift right? yeah yeah so it's like yeah i i really look up to my dad in that sense because i mean i look up to him just overall but right that, right. that was a moment of like wow like this is definitely a lesson i want to pass down to my kids as well yeah, yeah. and so it, it's like <clears throat> to me i'm hearing you talk and it's like it's the reminder like more is caught than taught you know mm-hmm. he didn't sit you down and say dave i'm about to give this guy like this like you just saw him do it and yeah. that was like the nature of his, his life and mm-hmm. so um as as you're there's going to be lessons you can like sit and talk to your kids about but yeah. a lot of it they're just going to pick up on like yeah. what you're actually doing you know yeah. and so that's that's cool that you got to witness and experience like his actions and him doing that so, yeah 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 and i know uh shirley too she saw like her dad is like super giving as well mm-hmm. um and so like i think we both um our, our whole financial uh like philosophy is yeah. like let's be comfortable so that um we don't have to like so we can be helpful to other people because like right. i mean there are people who are like even if you're not doing well you should be still giving but mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's completely biblical first of all but mm-hmm. also like for us personally i don't think um we can live like that mm-hmm. where we're giving we're like going yeah. into debt to like give to other people right right yeah, yeah. so it could feel like manipulation or, or it could just feel like you know you you kind of have to get your house in order right to, to like actually help somebody else yeah. so yeah, yeah i know what you mean yeah yeah well um oh wow we're we're at the hour mark Man. um any last thoughts um well, who am I speaking to? Because I, I have a lot of thoughts. Oh, know? no. Yeah. Anybody and yeah. everybody. You can address anybody, everybody. So I think that what we talked about earlier, like money is taboo. I think the, that it's taboo for most people, but there are people out there that it's not taboo for. Mm-hmm. And like listen and learn from those people because mm-hmm. um, that's that's kind of what I'm still doing. You know, mm-hmm. like at, at this point in my, my financial journey, um, there's other goals I want to hit and I'm like, okay, who, who's out there like talking about this stuff. And so, um, I'm still learning, I'm still reading and I'm still growing and, and learning like, okay, what does it mean to be a good steward? And like at this level of wealth, you know, mm-hmm. um, how do I make sure like my, the basics, like my needs are met and like everything else is a want and how do I make sure I have the right level of wants, you know? And so I'm not going overboard. Yeah. Um, but I do think there's, um, there's a responsibility now for, for anybody who heard this, like you can't claim ignorance anymore. You mm. can't say, I didn't know. Like now, you know, there's, there's ways you can do things differently. And so now the ball's in your court, you gotta like actually do something with this knowledge. Yeah. And so, um, that's, that's one thing. And then the other thing I want to say is like, um, there's going to come moments in life where you're kind of at a crossroads, you know, like you, you have to decide, do I go to this school or that school? Or do I take this job or this other job? Or do I buy this thing? And so typically there's, there's going to be a debt free option that doesn't look great, but if you can figure that one out and if, if you can identify it, I would encourage you to take that option Mm -hmm. because you have no idea what's, what's on the other side of that decision. And so, we've we've talked to like a number of high school students you know and you know a lot of times choices are presented like well it's option number one that has debt and option number two that has more debt 
And I'm like, wait, I think there's a third option yeah, that right. has no debt. And like, if you take this one, like this could be the one that actually sets you up for what you really want, you know? Yeah. And so oh, on that, yeah. I will say choosing to go to Georgia tech uh-huh. over Emory. Mm-hmm. Those were the two schools that I got into. Mm-hmm. Um, was probably the best decision yeah. of my life. Yeah. If I would still be in debt if I went to Emory because it's yeah. way more expensive. Yeah. But Georgia Tech, um, I actually went to f- basically for free because yeah. there was the Hope Scholarship, yeah. and state tuition. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was a great decision. And being not having student loans, both me and my wife, yeah, has given us so many options as yeah. a married couple. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like you're rare, you know, like mm-hmm. like to to be in this position. Yeah. Um, but again, that th- those are the little decisions you make early up like in life like 18 years old and you're like having to make these multi hundred thousand dollar decisions and so um look for the debt-free option that that's Mm -hmm. what um i i tell my daughter she's six right now and (laughs) i say honor uh, her name is honor i'm like honor you're debt free right now (laughs) you and all of your friends you're all debt free right now like this is awesome you know but some of your friends parents they might have debt. Like, I don't know. So mm-hmm. like do what you can to stay debt free. So th- these are the conversations I'm having, but it's the same thing. Like as a senior in high school, you're debt free right now. Like you are debt free. Like if you can remain like that for, for the next few years, then you have no idea like how, how much of a blessing that's going to be, mm-hmm. even though that path might seem a little harder. And mm-hmm. so, um, but then now if, if you are in debt and like you're trying to work your way out, um, there, there are plenty of resources out there to help, but it, it's on you to like, you're going to actually have to make some lifestyle changes and, um, you know, you're going to have to start making some sacrifices if, if you want to get out and, and do live in a different way. So, yeah. Yeah. But man, that this is such a good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I had fun. This yeah. Is awesome. thank, yeah. Thank you so much for coming. Um, yeah. and I know I can say this confidently cause you said this on Blair's podcast, uh-huh. But if anyone out there wants to connect with Mike, for sure, um, I'll put Mike's email on the um, descriptions of the podcast so you can reach out to him, um, or um, I'll, I'll link him on the uh, Instagram uh, post as well so you can reach him, reach out to him that way as well. That's how we communicated via, yeah, via yeah, Instagram. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah so um, yeah, and also like I, I'm not anywhere near Mike and Gene's level, but you know I, I feel like Shirley and I we've made, made some good financial decisions. So if you want to talk to us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, more than happy to. Um, we won't be as good of resources as as Mike is, but um, we we know a little little things here and there. So more than happy to talk as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Once again, thank you so much. Um, Thanks, I think dude. This conversation is so important, especially for Asian Americans who grew up without the talk of financial literacy in the yeah. house. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, we were hoping that we we talk about this more as a community, and we can pass pass on this knowledge to our kids as well. Awesome. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time.